Everybody desires to have joy. Everybody wants to be at peace. Everybody would love to experience some happy days, some joyful days over times of sorrow and pain and heartache and difficulty. But it's interesting how people look for those happy days and joyful days. Uh, Voltaire, the noted atheist, at the end of his life, he, he literally said these words. He said, I wish I had never been born. John D. Rockefeller, um, in the 19th century, he was the richest man in the world, created the Standard Oil Empire. A few years ago, I read, I think it's Ron Chernow who wrote the book, The Titan. It's a wonderful read. I encourage you to read it. They asked him one time, they said, you're a multi-gazillionaire billionaire, and how much money is enough? He said, a little bit more, just a little bit more. Alexander the Great, when he conquered the known world, he literally sat down and wept. And somebody said, why are you weeping, sir? He said, because there are no more worlds to conquer, and I feel so empty. And Brad Pitt did an interview with Rolling Stone magazine a few years ago, and they were asking him about the deeper issues of life. Of course, he's a famous Hollywood actor and he said, man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, success. But if that's the case, why is there so much isolation? Why is there so much desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say toss it all. We got to find something else, man. The emphasis is on success and personal gain. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sitting in it. And once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is Brad Pitt. I'm quoting him. I've said it once and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better. You don't wake up any better because of it. Last week I was reading an article on his ex-wife, Angelina Jolie. They were married for a couple of years, had have many children. Some of them are adopted, some of them are theirs. And I was reading this article and I, I got to tell you, church, I was so... I was so heartbroken over it, I actually reached out to her. And she, she has no idea who, who I am. I said, I'm, I'm a pastor in Austin, Texas, but I read your article, and I just want you to know, I'm, I'm praying for you. She said, I hate being alone. That's what she said in the article. She said, yeah, my kids and I, we, we live in a $25 million mansion, and yet I hate being so alone. So where do we find life? Where do we find joy? I mean, where do we find a source that is beyond the material successful realm, that is beyond the military conquering realm, that is behind the philosophical and ideological realm? Is there a source? Is there a person? Is there a place that we can go that will satisfy the longing of our souls. Augustine, the great theologian, was right in the fifth century when he said these words. He said, there is a God-sized vacuum. There's a tremendous hole built within every man, woman, child. Everybody feels it. Everybody senses it. There is this chasm, this huge hole. And then Augustine said it best, that he said these words, that only Jesus can fill that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. We have been studying over the last few months the, the book of Nehemiah, and it, it's a fascinating study. 
And I love reading it. In fact, last week I, I, I just ran out of time. And so today we're going to segue into the text and we're going to look at happy days, joyful days. What does it look like? And where does the source of the joy come from? And Nehemiah just tells us in chapter eight, he says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let me say that again. The joy of God is our strength. And if you've been walking with us through the book of Nehemiah, you remember that happy days, they're enjoying in chapter 12. These happy days followed some very laborious, hard, difficult days, did they not? For 142 years, the nation of Israel had no wall, had no protective wall around the city, the city of Zion, the greatest city of the known world, and it was shattered and torn down by their enemies. Nehemiah goes and he rebuilds the wall. Ezra predates him for a few years, he rebuilds the temple. Zerubbabel predates them all by a hundred years and he brings a number of people back to get back in the land and cultivate the land and grow crops in the land and Ezra is helping them with the temple and Nehemiah builds, builds the wall and all of a sudden it, it all just erupts in chapter 12. It's so palpable, the joy, the enthusiasm, the, the, the rejoicing, the abundance, of, the, the, really the chapter smiles. One writer calls it this. He said, chapter 12 should be called happiness on the wall. Happiness on the wall. Last week, we noticed how Nehemiah, he, he, he's almost giddy. He's so excited that he takes Ezra and he says, now Ezra, what I want you to do is get your guys together and let's go stand up on the wall. And they did. They got up on top of the wall. And he goes, Ezra, you go, you walk that way. And me and my guys, we'll walk this way and we'll meet in the center at the temple. And so they did. You can read Nehemiah chapter 12. It's beautiful. The first 26 verses, by the way, are a bunch of names. Names, genealogies, high priests, Levites, priests. I mean, they're, they're all mentioned there and they're there for a reason because even though we're in a community, everybody has a job, everybody has a responsibility. But man, when those two Thanksgiving choirs, when they made it to the center of the city and they made it there at the temple and the praise just erupted up to God. I mean, you, you, you don't have to have much of a biblical imagination just to see. I mean, people are smiling. People are full of joy. People are happy. They're satisfied in God. God is the source of their joy. And, and the Bible says, we'll read it in a minute. It says, and all of Jerusalem heard the joy of God. All of Jerusalem heard them rejoicing. So I want to read verses 43 and 44. And really, those are the two verses that I'm going to focus on with you today as we talk about sacrifices and as we talk about just as the people of God being joyful. And then we're going to enter into a time of observing the Lord's Supper, a sweet time, a sacred time. But let's look at, at verse 43. If you have your Bible, I'm reading in Nehemiah uh, chapter 12, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says, Also, that day they offered great sacrifices and they rejoiced why did they rejoice well the bible tells us for god god made them rejoice oh church underline that all those places i was talking about a minute ago for joy for true happiness and peace and contentment in our life it, it really is found in a person it is found in the god who creates us who loves us who died for us who gives us every blessing under the heavens, under the sun. And so the Bible says, God is the source. God was the one that made them rejoice, and not just with joy. Notice, notice the adjective. He made them rejoice with 
great, great joy. Now the women, the children, everybody, all right, everybody rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard at a distance. That just fascinates me. How do you hear joy? <laughs> what does that sound like? Joy was heard throughout the land. And then verse 44 says, and at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, the first fruits and the tithes. And they gathered together into them the fields of the cities, the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah, I touched on this last week, but I want to spend some more time with it today. For Judah, the nation rejoiced over the priest and rejoiced over the Levites that ministered to them. Happy days follow hard days. And I want you to be encouraged by that. Some of you are in a valley. Some of you are in such a valley, you're like, my word, will this valley ever end? I can see the mountain in a distance, but will I ever scale the top of the mountain? By the way, you will. You will come through it. But Nehemiah reminds me of a little quote I read a number of years ago. It's like, Nehemiah quit telling God how big his mountain of difficulty was. And Nehemiah started telling the mountain of difficulty how big his God was. And that is a good word for you and for me. And Nehemiah gives us a great example that if we persevere through the hard days, the laborious days, the strenuous days, the days of opposition, the days of persecution, the days that we just think, will they ever, ever end? If we're faithful to God and we're obedient, we stay with the Lord, then what follows those hard days will be days of joy and days of happiness. And I'm so grateful to God for that. Also, last week, we looked at happy days have happy leaders. They have people who are leading, leading the charge, um, leading the, the team, if you will, leading the organization. And Nehemiah and Ezra and a host of names that are mentioned throughout this book tells us that these guys were those guys. They were the, they were the cheerleaders. They were the ones saying, yes, we can. I know that there's a prodigious obstacle against us. I know that many people are hoping that we fail. Many people are hoping that we never succeed, but by God's empowering grace, come on, children of Israel, we got this, we can do this, and they did. And so today, we, we look at these last couple of points before we go to the table. Happy days promote hearty giving. In the atmosphere of joy, there always erupts generosity. Let me say that again. In the atmosphere of joy, there is always a spirit of generosity. Because once you have been blessed and you recognize the source of your blessing is God, you can't help but be a conduit through which God flows through you and he flows out to other people. That is the rhythm of scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, you have a, Listen to this. You have a benevolent, magnificent, generous God who lavishes his love, his grace, his mercy, his blessings upon his people, and his people serve as a conduit through which the mercy, the grace, and the love of God flows out to the entire world. It's a beautiful thing to behold. 
And when God's people are in harmony with God and they're not stopped up, but they're opened up, then the blessing of God flows through them. And it says in verse 44, it says, not only did they offer sacrifices, the Bible says that they offered big sacrifices. I mean, they got a bunch of sheep, bunch of cattle, bunch of doves. But I mean, in that day, that's how they worshiped God. They offered these sacrifices, these animals, and it just, man, they're, they're singing, they're running around the wall. Woo-hoo, ain't our God good? And they join together and they're worshiping God and they make these sacrifices. And, and, and within that very context, you see them going, God, you're so good to us. What can we give you? You see that? And that's where you really start living. When you, when you quit looking at the mirror, look beyond the mirror, look at the world and say, God, how can I touch the world and bless them as you have blessed me? Then you really start living. Then you start experiencing the joy of God. I got to say, I am so proud of, of you, our people at Great Hills at this point. There's a verse in the book of Corinthians that I've been thinking about a lot, and I've shared it a couple times, I think, in private. Yes, I have, but I want to share it in public because this verse reminds me of a lot of the church of that I pastor, that I have the joy and privilege of pastoring, and that would be you. I, I've, never, I've never been in this place what are we in, September? Yes. I've never been in September, and we've been so far behind in our giving in the month of September. I've never been there before. In all my years of ministry, and especially the seven years that I've pastored here, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Why are we so far behind in our giving at such a time as this? And now check this out. That, that's the bad news, if you will. It's not good news. The good news is, in the midst of us having a hard time and a difficult time with our tithes and our offerings, here comes God giving me and you all these opportunities to be a blessing. In fact, we're going to plant a church. We're going to take a number of people, and we're going to take all of their tithes and their offerings. And as of today, they no longer give their tithes and their offerings to us. They give them to their new church. And so that's, that's a lot of hundreds of thousands of dollars in case you're, you're wondering, okay? And we're going to take those monies and go, that's for the work of God there in Leander and Cedar Park. And then there's hurricanes. Hurricanes come and, and I just don't have it within me to stand before you and say, I know we're a half a million dollars behind and I know times are hard. I couldn't do that. I had to stand before you and say, let's give and let's go and, and let's, let's give too and, and help others. And then... And then a precious family has a tragic event in their lives last week, two weeks ago. And I, I had to come before you last week and say, church, let's, let's all pitch in and let's help. And you have. And it's been absolutely mind-boggling how you have given, multiplied thousands of thousands of dollars, even though we're in the midst of the greatest crisis we've ever been in, as far as I've been here, as far as our giving to our budget and so forth. So here's the verse that God gave me, and I want to give it to you. You say, well, if I were you, I wouldn't be up there smiling. I'd be going, oh, my. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, my, because we serve a big God. And our God's going to take care of great hills. I just, I just believe that. So here, here's the verse, all right? Now, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now stay with that verse. I know sometimes scripture can be hard to understand, but I want you to make sure you get this one, okay? 
The churches of Macedonia were in a great trial of affliction. And yet in the midst of their affliction, they had great joy and they had great poverty. And out of their poverty, out of their trial and out of their affliction, they said, here, Paul, take it. Take the offering and give it to the saints of Jerusalem because we are in debt to Jerusalem. I mean, the gospel has burst forth from Jerusalem and it's spread throughout Asia Minor. It's going through the known world. It came to us. We received Christ. So I know we're, I know we're broke, Paul, but here, take this offering and use it for the glory of God. And that's why they're recorded in scripture because of their example. And that's kind of what we're doing at Great Hills. And I'm so proud of you for that. I'm so grateful to God that even in the midst of our affliction and difficulty, we are going to give, we're going to sacrifice, and we're going to, we're going to do what we know is right and let God just take care of us. I love putting pressure on God. God can handle it. Happy days promote hearty giving. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't just stop right now and say, and boy, did he give. The Lord Jesus Christ, he gave it all for you and for me. He died on a cross. He arose from the dead. He was bludgeoned, I mean, almost beaten to death before he even got to the cross. And then when they nailed him there and they pierced his side, it was over. His life ceased. And he said, Father, it is in your hands that I give my spirit. And please, please don't hold it against them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but I just, I just give you my life. And I, I wanna make this statement. It may be a little controversial and you may disagree with it and you can be wrong, that's okay. We are never more like Jesus than when we give, than when we give. Give our lives, our time, our talents, our offerings, when we are giving, we are emulating the greatest giver who ever lived, who ever gave, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So the next thing I want you to look at with me is this, and then we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. Happy days are best enjoyed by God's people. Happy days are best enjoyed by God's people. And again, it's in verse 43, you see the word joy mentioned five times, and then in verse 44, the word is mentioned a sixth time, okay? I mean, they just pulsates with joy. You can't read Nehemiah chapter 12 without going, wow, God, you're big, you're awesome, and, and your people, mm, mm, you're just pouring it on your people, Lord, and they are so blessed, and they are giving, and we see this interesting dynamic. There is this unity among leadership and the people in Israel. I read it a moment ago, but in verse 44, it said they brought all the tithes, all the offerings, and they gave it to the Levites and the priests, and they said, y'all take, take all of our tithes and our offerings, and you take your tenth, and then you, you, you go to the, to the temple and put it in for the service of God for our people. So what they did was they brought in all the first fruits. You read it with me a moment ago in verse 44, all the harvest and the first fruits, and, 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 and it was their hard-earned labor. I mean, in this agricultural community, the way you tithe was you took your harvest and you took a tenth of your harvest and you brought it to the Levites and you brought it to the priest and they would take a, um, they would take, it's just fascinating to me. It's just, just what we're supposed to be doing today. And they took all of that and they personally gave their tithe, gave their tenth to the Lord. 
And it says, did y'all see that? And Judah rejoiced over her leaders. Judah was pleased with their priest, with their Levites, with the high priest, with all of those who were in positions of authority. The Bible says they rejoiced over them. And, and that's the way it should be. And when God's people are in harmony with one another, we enjoy a peace and a joy and, and a blessing that the world really does not know because they're not in this dynamic of God blessing, conduit flowing over to others. Jesus said, these things I speak to you, that my joy may remain in you. Does anybody know who the you refers to? That pronoun refers to the church, to the Christians. That my joy remains in you and your joy might be icky, icky, bicky, bicky, and barely, barely squeak by. Is that what it says? Is that what your translation says? No, what Jesus says, so that your joy may be, I'm singing that song in my mind, I'm trying to suppress the temptation to sing, that your joy may be full. That's it, that your joy may be full and overflowing. The people outside of Christ, they don't recognize that. They don't experience that. That's why they dive into substances. That's why they dive into illicit relationships. That's why they dive into hobby after hobby. And when those things, when those things are, are, are fun for a little bit, but when they wear out, there's this chasm. There's this emptiness. And here we are as the church going, come to Jesus, he'll take care of that. How much do y'all rejoice over your leadership? How, how, how pleased are you with your Levites? I'm a Levite, though. I'm a pastor. You don't look much like a Levite, but, but, uh, but I am. These, these guys are really the Levites. They're the singers. But the dynamic equivalent would be me being the priest, if you're looking at the Old Testament economy. Now, in the New Testament, we're all priests, but in God's economy in the church, Stu, of the 34 people going, you're the guy. <laughs> you're the pastor. Okay, Pastor Stu, I like that. That's a good ring to it. And Sarah says, don't get a big head. You're still Stu to me. All right, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but when, you, when your flock, when y'all are in harmony with one another, not talking about each other, and they're loving on you and loving on Sarah, and y'all are building each other, I, it, it just amazing. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing to behold. Same thing at Great Hills, when we're in harmony with one another, when we're praying for our leaders, praying for our staff. By the way, you've got, you got quite an amazing 24 full-time paid employee staff at Great Hills. These are some of the most gifted men and women that I have ever, ever seen. I mean, they are incredibly, incredibly gifted, and I'm honored and honored to be among them. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, we were having a uh, true story. We were having our noonday prayer meetings. Tuesday, uh, we pray and we fast and all day. And then Tuesday at noon, many of you come. It's been amazing to watch. 100, 150 of you come here every Tuesday. And we praise the Lord. We sing. We, we pray. We, we, we have a good time. And by the way, we got one more. And it's Tuesday. On Tuesday will be our last day of prayer and fasting, and then we're entering into the cleansing the temple. It's going to be a wonderful time. I'm signed up. Dave Brent, you're at midnight tonight. Stu, you're at 1 o'clock. I'm at 2 a.m. tonight in the morning. 
And then for the next six days, somebody will be at Great Hills Baptist Church reading the Word of God and praying to the Lord on behalf of our church. Y'all think God's going to be pleased with that? You think God will just go, well, my, 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 you people are really serious. You want this church plant to really explode. You, you want there really to be harmony and joy in your own church. You want this nation of America to be blessed. You know, and, I, and we do. And we're just crying out to God for revival. We're, we're crying out to God for, for our nation and for our church. Well, anyhow, the people were gathered that day. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave the sanctuary and go. We got 300,000 square feet. So we got lots of places people can go. And I said, go somewhere on the campus and pray. In 15 minutes, come back and we'll pray some more. How many of y'all were here that day? Let me see your hand. God bless y'all. See, I told y'all, bunches, bunches of them. And so we went, and man, there were people, there were, I saw, I think it was Kimberly Corona. She was out there, man, she was doing business with God. I mean, she's just dangerous for Jesus. She's like blessing the construction workers. I wonder what they were thinking. <laughs> Oh, this lady over here blessing us, praying in Jesus' name. People were in the parking lot. A couple of people came up to the pulpit and said, bless this poor soul, God. Bless him as he preaches the word. People were in the choir. People were in the student ministry. People were along the trendsetter hall saying, oh, God, bless our senior saints. And so everybody came back and I said, where did you go and why did you go there? Okay. And so people said, well, pastor, I went. I went to the student ministry because I'm just praying for our students. I went to the trendsetter hall, and, I, and this one lady, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. It's a true story. It messed me up. I'm still not over it. I gave her the microphone. I said, where did you go, ma'am? She said, the women's bathroom. I said, okay. <laughs> I was like, well, she had the mic. I was like, oh, no. I was like, and, and why would you go to the women's bathroom? She said, because, pastor, that's where most of the gossip happens in your church. <laughs> Um, now, man, I'm sure it happens in the men's bathroom too, but I mean, it just, that's what she said. And I, I got to thinking about that and I was like, really? We still have people gossiping at Great Hills? We still have people upset? And somebody said, yep. <laughs> well, I, I get that. But you know what? When revival comes, that stuff stops. When we cleanse the temple cleanse our hearts, purify our minds and our hands, you double-minded sinners. When those things happen, I mean, when God cleanses us, then you will experience a joy with your leader like you have never experienced before. There will be a kinship. You know, there's somebody in the church praying every day that, Pastor, I pray for you every day that our people would really like you. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Amen. I appreciate that. But listen, when revival comes, and by the way, Nehemiah chapter 12 is revival. And the people are rejoicing over their pastors. They're praising God. They're giving their tithes and their offerings. And here's why. Because they were in a time of revival. That's what I long for. I long for Great Hills Baptist Church to be that church. That church that rises up, that, that continues to give even in the midst of sacrifice, continues to bless even in the midst of, oh, I want to criticize. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, why would you sing that? Oh, why are you doing that? And say, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to worship you, Jesus, and bless your name. Hallelujah. And then watch what God does. 
And then you, things start happening. I mean, and then the church starts growing and then the people start giving and then you have to plant more churches and more churches. And I just believe that's going to happen. Yep. To my dying day, I believe that is going to happen. Okay. Is everybody okay? Just, just, sharing, just sharing with you, just being real with you. You say, well, you're sharing all that and you got a smile on your face. What's up with that? Because I got the joy of Jesus in my heart. I, I've got this... I got this peace and I got this expectancy that God's about to do something, that God's about to break loose. And when we send our team out to go plant, he'll, he'll replenish with a bunch more. We continue to give and to sacrifice. God says, well, watch, watch what I'm going to do. Somebody asked me the other day, have you seen anything through the prayer and the fasting that you haven't seen before? Can I just tell you this? Absolutely. I'm seeing God do some amazing things. I'm seeing God reveal sin in people's lives. And we're entering into a little bit of church discipline and talking to them about their egregious sins. That, that only comes out through prayer and fasting. Had a guy come to my office this week. He goes, here's a check for $150,000. Will this help? He had to do mouth to mouth on me, resuscitate me because I was, I was out. You know, just like, what? Now, all of that's true except the mouth to mouth. I'm seriously. God says, you're $532,000 overspent for the year. What, $150,000, will that help? I said, yes, sir, it, it will help. And, and I, I'm just seeing God do, do things and work in ways, miraculous ways, that only come about when God's people just get real serious with God, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to enter into our time of the Lord's Supper. In a few minutes, Ross will come, and he'll explain some of these stations, some of the things that are going on here. And we're going to leave in such a sweet way. I believe God's Spirit's going to be all over us. So let me pray for us, and we're going to enter into our time of the Lord's Supper. Okay, you great men of God, you deacons, y'all come on, get ready, and I'm going to be praying. And Lindy's going to come and, and play the piano, and we're just going to have a time of great remembrance of the greatest sacrifice that was ever rendered. And, of course, that's the sacrifice of you, Jesus, on the cross for the sins of the world. We give you praise and we worship you. We acknowledge that you are our king. And we know that only you can really satisfy the longings. Lord, if a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie can't find happiness and they have everything, then really, Lord, that tells us something. Maybe what they're looking for can't be found in things that can be found in you. And Lord, we admit we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And Lord, I've seen people live in shanties, not million-dollar mansions, and they are so happy because they have you in their life. And I've seen very wealthy people, God, who have you in their life, and they have this amazing joy, but it's not in the things they possess. It's in the God that they know. Oh, God, would you speak? Holy Spirit, speak, speak, speak to us. Lord, please address the areas that we need help in. For some of us, Lord, it's in their giving. They, they don't give. They don't sacrifice. They, the, the, the flow of the conduit is blocked up, and, and it's, it's not happening, and I pray for them. I pray, God, that you would show them the blessing of, it, of giving back to God and how you, how you replenish and how you take care of us, and I thank you for that. And I also pray, Lord, for the gossip. Pray, Lord, for the critical spirits. 
People still upset. I don't like you. I don't like this. I don't like that. God, I thank you so much. That's becoming more and more the exception than the rule. But Lord, among us, if, is there still people in here that would still gripe and complain? And Then Lord, don't let them take the supper. Don't let them partake of the Lord's Supper until they go to the person they're upset with and they would ask for forgiveness. And then we'd have revival, Lord. We would have reconciliation and that we would just experience the joy of the Lord. Lord, this is a sacred time. Lord, I don't understand everything about 1 Corinthians chapter 11, especially the part that says, if I take of the elements in an unworthy way, I can get sick and die. I don't understand what all that means, but it gets my attention. So Lord, as you bless these elements. It's just bread. It's just juice. But it's more than that. It represents the God who came and died so that his people could be free. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What an amazing, wonderful name. And Lord, as our deacons serve us, may this be a time of remembrance and may it be a time of confession in church, I'm just going to offer this to you. I've never offered this to you before, but as we partake of the elements today, if you feel like you need to come to the altar, you come to the altar. If you feel like you just need to kneel where you are, you kneel where you are, and you just do business with God. Lord, thank you for this sacred time. Pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.